Welcome to Warcraft Worlds Podcast. My name's Rachel, and this is the podcast where we step behind the veil and take a look at some long-lost and little-known urban legends and spooky stories. When someone says Area 51, you think of a sprawling base in the middle of the Nevada desert, a base that hides more than it reveals with exclusion zones which stretch for miles around it. But what if there was such a base that you could walk up to and look at? A base where the gates are only a handful of metres from the front door. And what if people like you and I had stepped inside? Welcome to Rudlow Manor a.k.a. former RAF Box, a.k.a. the UK's Area 51. Located between Box and Corsham in Wiltshire, Rudlow Manor was one of several military installations in the area and covered three dispersed sites. The RAF base closed in 2000 and was taken over by Digital Defence, the MOD's digital branch, in 2019. The station was established on top of quarries from which bath stone had been extracted. In the 1930s, some of the tunnels had been converted for use as a central ammunition depot. The vast caverns had some two and a quarter million square feet of space, divided into many smaller chambers. Rudlow Manor is, well, your average looking British stately home. The quarries themselves date from around 1840, while the manor house itself appears to be mid-17th century. The manor has three floors and covers approximately five and a half thousand feet. Interestingly, Rudlow Manor was up for civilian sale in 2015 and the listing can still be seen on the UK website Rightmove. We can only presume that the Ministry of Defence decided to keep it and the for sale signs were removed. For years, the RAF Secret Service worked at Rudlow Manor across espionage and counterintelligence operations, but also something else, UFO investigations. The claim was consistently denied by the MOD, but in 2007, during a release of declassified files from the National Archives, it was finally confirmed the site was the centre for UFO investigations in the 1950s. Yet despite the base's now apparently more mundane life, and its former listing for sale to civilians, the area is still surrounded by fences, lights and guards. Now, Wiltshire is a strange place in itself, with crop circles, UFOs, burial mines, stone circles and many military bases, so it's kind of no surprise that the military wanted to keep Rudlow as under wraps as possible. Especially as in recent years, the area has become a tourist hotspot for urban explorers and conspiracy theorists alike. What many people believe is hidden from view is somewhere in the 60 plus miles of tunnels that weave their way beneath the area. The tunnels with names such as Box Quarry, Tunnel Quarry and Spring Spring Quarry are sliced in half by Isambard Kingdom Brunel's Box Tunnel, which carries the mainline railway to London. So what do people believe is hidden down there? Everything from crashed UFOs to alien beings to more documents detailing UFO sightings. But how did all of this originally come about? The manor house itself sits approximately one kilometre from the MOD's other buildings, grey buildings which would once have held all kinds of different information. The reason for the 17th century house being ringed by fences, or at least the reason given, is that there are access points to the tunnels in and around the building. These access points have been breached many times over the years, and reports from a number of urban explorations can be found online. However, with the tunnels being the best part of 200 years old, exploring them can come with costs. But there's still things that the military would like to keep hidden. Perhaps the most bizarre twist in the whole history of the area came in 1963 when Box and Caution were suddenly thrown into a spy scandal of international proportions at the centre of a threatened nuclear war with a potential of an atomic bomb being dropped on the parish. While this now seems incredible, at the time it was a very real possibility. The news was broken by a group of anti-nuclear protesters called Spies for Peace, who announced in April 1963 that Hawthorne was the headquarters of a series of emergency regional seats of government in the event that Britain was under nuclear attack. 
People searched for this location but couldn't find it. In fact, the name Hawthorne was adopted for a telephone exchange for all the military establishments on the west side of Corsham during World War II. There never was a location with this name and its purpose was only to confuse the enemy. The nuclear plan that had been developing since the 1950s was based on the premise of a guaranteed nuclear retaliation against any aggressors attacking Britain. Under Corsham and Box, a large number of government and military officials would shelter in a permanent citadel, safe underground from nuclear fallout. With the codename Backbone, a communications network located here was intended to enable government to continue and provide direct communications to regional centres throughout Britain. The 1950s and 1960s was a time of heightened tension between Russia and the West. The international political situation was tense. The Cuban Missile Crisis of October 1962 was as close to a Third World War as we would ever come. And the 1964 Peter Sellers film Dr. Strangelove depicted a nuclear fanatic who learned to stop worrying and love the bomb was a reflection of these concerns. What incensed the protesters was that the government was seen as politically self-serving and prepared to sacrifice a general population through inadequate civil defence. In sharp contrast to the provision of security to officials was the government's advice to the general public in the Civil Defence Information Bulletins of 1964. This advised duck and cover technique as they did in the USA, guidance on how to mitigate the initial effects of the heat and nuclear blast and preparing for what would come afterwards. The Rudlow Manor site was selected as a shelter because at 100 feet below ground it could withstand all but a direct nuclear attack. It had a central operations control room and ro rooms called the Burlington Bunker would be the seat of national government to run the country after an initial enemy strike. Burlington would shelter military staff to conduct the war, deal with foreign relations and trade negotiations, and be in control of national shipping and ports. It also had a function to assist regional recovery after a nuclear strike, with staff for departments of energy, transport, the environment and law enforcement through the Home Office. Its purpose was to retaliate against enemy strikes, but even more sinister was the possibility of a preemptive strike if it was feared that the enemy could destroy command and control centres in the UK, particularly if Whitehall should be knocked out before transfer of control had been achieved. The site had a permanent staff of 600 RAF personnel. Underground tunnels were accessed through West Wales Road, signposted as a Property Services Agency Supplies Division depot, the only warehouse with a permanent red alert status. At Five Ways Rudlow, a post office microwave communications tower was built directly over the underground tunnels to provide headquarters with information from a network of subsidiary stations throughout the UK. Sandbags marked the site of machine gun posts. The complex was designed to house a massive number of government staff. Some reports state up to 20,000 people, with security and survival capacity for several months. It was well stocked with food and clothing, provisions being close to RAF and Royal Navy supplies depots at Copenhagen, Monks Park and HMS Royal Arthur. Special precautions were made for air and water which was purified to remove radioactive dust before going into the underground rooms. The tower was only dismantled in 1995 and the base of it still remains as a grim reminder of this episode in Box's history. But it would all have been very different if the Cold War, Cold War turned into action. Burlington Bunker was described in 2005 as like stepping back 50 years. Hundreds of swivel chairs delivered in 1959 are still unpacked. There are boxes of government-issued glass ashtrays, lavatory brushes and civil service tea sets. David Ibbison, one of the few local people who has been inside the bunker, has given an insight into life sheltering from radiation if nuclear war had broken out. Here's his report. In the first decade of this century, I had the opportunity to visit the more interesting parts of the now infamous Burlington Bunker, a once top secret location to accommodate the government in the event of a nuclear strike. Those readers familiar with Whitehall and other 
areas of government may, on entering the bunker, have been surprised that there was no sign of oak panelled offices or luxurious office chairs. For make no mistake, you are clearly in a quarry. This view has been reinforced by the insistence that we wore hard hats. The walls left after stone extractions were clearly visible, although painted white and in some areas covered by panels. The floors have been built up and made into roadways to allow free passage of people and essential materials. Rooms have been fashioned using the areas hewn out by generations of quarrymen, and where this was not possible, rigid panels were used or good old-fashioned bricks and cement. The area of the bunker is fairly vast, so movement for myself and other visitors was on an electric truck, which took us to areas of interest. First call was the stationery store. Remember the bunker ceased to be maintained after 1992. This was the dawn of the computer age, and government officials still conducted their business using paper and manual typewriters, hence a good supply was needed. The stationery store did not disappoint. Racks of paper, file covers, carbon paper, and other es- essential office material were stored there. In those days, days, every desk had four trays in, out, pending, and ash, since it was assumed that the majority of officials smoked. Many of the contents of the store were still wrapped in brown paper and had remained in that state for decades. Telephones, as today, were an essential office tool. Of course, hardwired and analogue. The bunker has a fully equipped telephone exchange from the pre-trunk dialing days, when if you wish to make a call, you you dialed zero to connect to an operator. There still remains rows of seats and desks with modesty boards, banks of sockets through which operators could route calls. Of course, you might not know the number and had to speak to a supervisor who is equipped with telephone directories for the whole of the UK. These were updated every year. Documents had to be distributed around the bunker complex. Most large establishments would have had staff known as messengers. They would collect and deliver papers and documents from offices for distribution. Whilst no doubt such staff would have been employed in the bunker, they had a fast-track method. From a central registry, papers could be distributed throughout the complex using vacuum tubes similar to those found in many department stores of the day, where money was taken from customers dispatched to a cashier who would then return any change through the same tubes. The library was not designed to entertain but provide information. The BMA lists of practising doctors being one example. While much of the contents were academic, there was the occasional book that raised eyebrows among anyone who has visited this now defunct bunker. Whilst it appears that this nuclear bunker has now been laid to rest, there would be many safety concerns to random people wandering through the now abandoned tunnels. If you do want to take a look inside the bunker, there are plenty of videos on YouTube, but you're recommended to not go by yourself. While the bunkers are interesting, we're here for spooky stories, urban legends and UFOs. According to the UK's National Archives, since the introduction of the Freedom of Information Act in 2005, UFOs have been the third most requested topic. In the 1950s, the UK government took the threat of UFOs so seriously that Winston Churchill himself ordered a cover-up. In 1957, the Joint Intelligence Committee received reports detailing an average of one UFO sighting a week. The files also include an account of a wartime meeting attended by Winston Churchill, in which it is claimed the Prime Minister was so concerned about a reported encounter between a UFO and RAF bombers that he ordered it to be kept secret for at least 50 years to present prevent mass panic. What is believed to have happened is an RAF crew returning from a bombing raid spotted something so incredible that if it was revealed to the public would cause said mass panic. Churchill then ordered this sighting to be covered up. As far as I know this sighting has yet to be released to the public. Other sightings that came out in the same battery reports included 
A near miss with an unidentified object reported by the captain and first officer of a 737 plane approaching Manchester in 1995. A mountain rescue team called to investigate a crashed UFO in Wales in 1974. Attempting break into RAF Rudlow Manor in Wiltshire, sometimes referred to as Britain's Area 51. The Western Isles incident when a loud explosion was reported in the sky of the Atlantic in the Outer Hebrides. The 14 minutes of missing film to the Blue Street missile test in 1964, believed by some to show a spaceman. Yet, if Rudlow Manor was used as only the base of UK's UFO investigations, why does it still catch people's imagination as the country's rumoured Area 51? Probably because it's easy to approach, but also heavily guarded. You can walk right up to the gate of the manor and take as many photos as you like. You may, at some point, have someone come and ask you why you're there. Unlike the real Area 51 out in Nevada, the UK's version allows you to walk on the land that butts up against the base, peer through fences and speculate on what's going on in all the beige and metal buildings. As for the heavily guarded part, well... Conspiracy theories latched onto the idea of Rudlow Manor being a centre for UFO storage, reverse engineer and research in the 1980s and spent a great deal of time looking into the activities there. This allowed the Ministry of Defence to use Rudlow Manor's underground bunkers as a decoy to distract those interested so the government could build another underground facility nearby called the CCC, which is the Corsham Computer Centre, an underground facility on the grounds of the Rudlow Manor complex that remains heavily guarded and shrouded in secrecy. Along with tall, razor-wired fences, visitors can peer through and notice mounds that are underground entryways on the property. Many visitors report that when they are in the area, they are stopped by security or police and asked to leave. An episode of the History Channel's Ancient Aliens shows the high level of security at CCC, which continues to fuel rumours of top-secret UFO research activity at the facility. Like many military bases in the UK, you can walk up to the front gates and be met by little more than a handful of guards, but step off the beaten path and go looking and someone will come and escort you away. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the tale of the UK's rumoured Area 51. Were there strange happenings? Probably. Are there still strange things happening there? Quite possibly. I'll leave it up to you to decide. If you want to take a visit, you can look on Google Maps and just put in Rudlow Manor and it will take you straight to the area. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this story and you like your books a little bit strange, please do feel free to check out our website at www.roswellpublishing.co.uk. And until next time, stay spooky.